Hello and welcome to another episode of the Fat Moon Podcast. Today's guest is Mickey Gurr, residing in USA. Mickey is an art therapist and social worker with over 20 years experience, working particularly with older adults. Mickey currently has a private practice, working with older adults, immigrants and clients of colour, and offers supervision both individually and group supervision. Mickey is also a professor in the art therapy program at George Washington University in USA. Welcome, Mickey. Thank you. Thanks for inviting me. Thank you for saying yes. How are you today? Doing great. Yeah, fantastic. I know we have a little bit of delay, don't we? Hold on. Let's keep going. Mickey, if you could start with telling us a little bit about your journey to becoming a creative therapist. Sure. Um, so I grew up in Japan, uh, right outside of Tokyo area. And I have always wanted to become a um, human service worker of some sort, right? Um, so then, especially, I wanted to work with older adults. This is like my dream from high school. And then um, when I started looking into college and degree programs, then um, I got interested in um, psychology. Because um, when I was in high school, my father passed suddenly. So then, like that, those kind of like life events sometimes makes you think about emotions and uh, trauma and those things, right? So then I started looking into psychology, and when I decided to study psychology, it's actually better to do that in U.S. than Japan. So I came here when I was mm. eighteen after high school and then majored in psychology and art because that was my passion for all along. I started oil painting when I was 16 and I never stopped. And mm. then in, um, while I was in college, my mother in Japan sent me this newspaper article about this man who does art therapy with older adults in a nursing home in Japan. And apparently, like, he studied in uh, Britain, I think. But that got me interested. This is the first time I've heard of art therapy in my life. And I was like, this is exactly what I want to do. So I started mm. looking into it. And then um, what ended up happening is um, I found out back then, 20 years ago, that there aren't a lot of jobs for art therapists, especially when you wanted to work with older adults. Um, a lot of people just told me, don't you want to work with children? Because back then, that was like the primary um, interest for our therapist and our therapy. Um, so that and also um, I'm here as an immigrant on the visa. So that restricted what kind of job I could get. And so then in the end, as I was looking through it, um, somebody mentioned to me, if you become a social worker, your um, the opportunities um, and the type of things that you can do open up and you can still choose to do art therapy. 
So I thought I could do、mm. that. Then I started looking into grad school program, and then I found a program that has master of social work with concentration and graduate certification in art therapy. So that's how I became an art therapist. So my master degree is not in art therapy. I'm a social worker with master degree with graduate level certification. In art therapy, that actually qualified me to be the licensed or board certified art therapist in U.S. Wow! And so, have you have you worked as a social worker, or did you go straight into art therapy? I first worked as a social worker, but let me tell you,、um, the reason why I did that once again, you know. As somebody who is not from this country, I have to think about、mm. my future in a little bit of different way, right?、Um, where、mm. I stay, what kind of job will impact where I'm going and where I'm able to go. So, social work license is actually a lot more flexible, and it gives me more avenues. So, I first focus on getting social work license, and later、um, I moved on to become our therapist, but. What's interesting about this is every place that I went, starting in the first year of being a social worker, I brought art therapy with me anyway. So I started with a、mm. nursing home social work. So I am doing social work case management kind of things, but with handful of clients or residents who lived in nursing home, I was doing art therapy. And then later, I went、mm-hmm. to、um, work for government programs at the local level, county level. Um, working with older adults in the mental health clinic, and there too, I was hired as a mental health therapist because of my social work license. But I was doing a lot of art therapy, group therapy three times a week, individual art therapy. So, you know, when you don't have the jobs that you're looking for, you create it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and you really did. Could you tell us a、and、little bit about actually, what, what kind of? Sorry, keep going. Oh no, I was going to say I tell my students too that when you get out of the program, a lot of times you need to be able to explain and advocate for the creative therapy jobs. So、mm. understand and then start learning how to talk about what we do, what you want to do, and then how our therapy actually makes a difference. Because that's how you actually create opportunities for you to practice what you want to practice.、Mm, definitely. I wanted to ask, in working in nursing homes and with older adults, what kind of approaches do you take,、um, or or what were what were your aims or、um, intentions with combining art therapy with older people? Could you tell us a little bit about that? Yes, older adults in an institutional setting like nursing homes, you'd be surprised、um, to find out they haven't used a pair of scissors for five years, for example.、Mm-hmm. So, in a setting like those places, stimulation from kinesthetic level, using their hands, making something. Makes a really big difference in terms of how they are actually able to carry them their week to week. You know, emotionally,、um, when they are making art,、um, 
not only the expression, you know, obviously art is a mode of self-expression, right? And there isn't a lot of places in the day-to-day and the medical community like that to be able to express how they're feeling. So self-expression is obviously valuable, but I find, especially with older adults, they benefit so much from just creating this movement of creating. So when I worked with them in a nursing home, I have intentionally incorporated those things, uh, sculptural things, paper craft, not just like drawing, because if you do drawing with crayons and color pencils, you can you are moving, but it's a little bit of a different way. Um, mm. I have done a lot of printmaking. That's something that I like doing with my clients in general, but especially with older adults. Mm. Yeah, lovely. And currently, you now have a, your own private practice. So people are coming to you. Is this, is this how this works? Yes. And it's such an interesting experience for me. Um, I have been in my uh, private practice for the last five years or so. And at the beginning, when I started, I didn't know who wanted to come and see me. So I just advertised myself mm-hmm. and say, hey, I'm a social worker. Um, I'm also an art therapist. And, you know, um, see who comes, right? And I'm yeah. in a uh, suburb of Washington, D.C., where diversity is the name of the you know like area here really um i get a lot of um diverse clients with diverse backgrounds um all type of races ethnicity um so then in the last five years what i noticed is that um there is a shortage of um therapists who are from marginalized backgrounds like mm-hmm. myself and in fact especially so I speak Japanese and um, I grew up in Japan so culturally I understand where Japanese people are coming from uh, in terms of thinking and feeling and in Washington DC area there is less than 10 Japanese speaking therapists so mm. Obviously, then my people come and look for me as well. Mm-hmm. So, and then obviously, um, the, the older adults um, who um, are looking for a therapist, um, they seek me out. Partly because I, I operate my private practice intentionally as pro-insurance practice, meaning I welcome clients who want to use insurance. And I do that for a reason. Um, the kind of clients who I see, like older adults, um, older adults by a population in U.S. is one of the poorest um, group of people by the average income. And so then if I am mm. serving older adults in this community, right, in this country, then um, I want to lower the bar for them to be able to access mental health care by accepting the government insurance, Medicare, for example. And then on the other uh, subgroup of people I see, um, the Asian clients and the other clients of color, um, many of the, especially um, Asian clients, um, culturally speaking, mental health care and the therapy is not something that's uh, encouraged. So then hmm. until recently, 
So then for them to spend, you know, $180 per session, not knowing if they're going to benefit or they're not familiar with the process, once again, the bar is high. Right? Mm. And what I'm trying to do here um, as a healthcare worker is for them to be able to access the care that they need. And one of the ways to do that is to help them use the health insurance. Hmm. But that's social worker yeah, that part sense. of me talking. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's a beautiful combo. And um, could you tell us a little bit about your work as a professor? Yes. Um, I started teaching once I became a private practitioner. Hmm. And I first started teaching in um, master of social work program and the, teaching how to counsel older adults, really. Mm-hmm. And then um, last two years, I transitioned to teach at our therapy graduate program. And what I teach now is uh, practicum supervision. So my, client, uh, my students are... Um, all in placed in internship sites and then they come once a week to meet with me and then then have discussions about their um, experiences and then what they need to learn in the internship site but I really enjoy it Mm -hmm. yeah yeah Yeah. I I guess as well because yeah you're imparting that wisdom you've experienced it so now you can you can offer that space to to guide new people coming through yeah are there yeah. any uh um, i partic- often oh, yeah sorry the delay <laughs> so no, i know not at all. <laughs> um, i was gonna say i often think about um what it's like to be uh like so to speak good professional ancestor for other the people who are coming after me Right. And I say this with understanding mm. that, um, that where I practice in this country, there aren't a lot of our therapists who are from marginalized background. So then what is it like for them to have the representation and the knowledge that may be is more um, uh, closer to the culture that I grew up and understanding from my uh, perspective? And hoping that um, the people who are coming after me are able to actually question things and making space to fit themselves into what they want to practice. Not just like the, the standard, quote, standard way of practicing or Western way. Mm hmm. Yeah. And are there any particular uh, frameworks or is there any literature or research that you're currently noticing that you're interested in at the moment? Mm, I'm interested in a lot of different things, but um, um, for the last several years, um, there's a lot of focus on my end on what it takes to 
build solidarity amongst um, people of color in the U.S. You know, mm -hmm. I'm sure, I know you're in uh, the opposite side of the earth here. Mm -hmm. And at the same time, I wonder, um, that, you know, on the news and things, you would see uh, the uh, racial tension in the U.S., mm -hmm. right? It didn't start in 2020. It's been here, right? At the same time, I think, um, mm -hmm. obviously, it has been a lot more intensified in the last, um, or it has been more in discussion in the last two, three years. So then there's more need for me to understand that not just to, to think about um, the racial relationships between the, the white people and the people of color, but what happens amongst the community, communities of color, right? So that's one part. And then... Something else that I'm actually exploring through my art making, which inevitably feeds into my private practice and what I do as a therapist, because I'm the same person here, um, mm. is so the topic that I'm exploring through art is the notion of cultural loss and the cultural identity loss. Um, mm. It's the, you know, we talk a lot about. Um, the impact of racism or um, assimilation, microaggression, like these phenomena. And then what I noticed, though, as a result is this sense of loss and grief, where some people don't get to actually retain their culture. Mm. And then when you don't retain your culture, then you somehow like uh, gradually loses the identity cultural identity and then that affects the belonging so i have been exploring that part and what it takes for that grief to be transformed and healed mm -hmm. and so those are some things that i uh, read up on and then think about um and explore through art making and um and also the discussion with others Mm. yeah and your art making is oil painting is that what you said or is that is that what you're currently doing well that's where i started and then i completely diverted oh, yeah. from yeah. it last um, <laughs> year or two <laughs> okay. um, one yeah. of the things about you know being an art therapist is that you get uh, you are well versed in so many different media. You get exposed to different art materials, and that's our strength. And mm. um, so, I, in addition to doing oil painting, I have been time to time doing printmaking. Mm -hmm. And um, so far, up until a couple of years ago, I was doing um, lino cut, linoleum um, printmaking, and then. As I proceeded to do more of a reflection research on, once again, the cultural loss and the grief of my own, then I really needed to actually go back to learn what my people do back home, which is the Mokamga Japanese woodblock printmaking. So for the last year and a half, I have been exclusively just using Mokamga printmaking. 
Mm. Yeah, beautiful. And have you been teaching yourself that or have you been engaging with others to find out about that? I have gone back home to Japan for about a month in um, last year, 2022, um, and then um, studied this under a printmaker in Tokyo. And Amazing. I actually continued um, getting guidance from him through the email exchange and in the once a month uh, Zoom meeting. And this, um, I, I did this intentionally. You can take Mukanga classes in US if you want to, but I really wanted to study this from a Japanese printmaker in Japanese. And so mm. not only the methodology and the techniques of printmaking, he's actually teaching me the culture. And mm-hmm. and I also need to express myself in the Japanese language, which, you know, sometimes my Japanese stopped at age 18. So I sometimes when I speak as an adult, it requires a bit more effort. Um, but this is good for me, right? It's all mm-hmm. part of uh, searching for what was lost and reclaiming. Mm. Mm. It's so beautiful you're weaving that in with your art making. Absolutely stunning. Mm-hmm. Um, Miki, what is it that you like about being a creative therapist? Oh my gosh, Percy, what's not to like? <laughs> good answer you, yeah I mean you get to make art with you know the, the clients and then the, the, like so like what more but um, truthfully um, so I enjoyment the enjoyment to me is meaningfulness and so let me just kind of explain like how I see art and art process, mm-hmm. which might resonate with many of the art therapists to begin with. Um, you know, art is the, like how we relate to art is how we relate to our lives. And so then as part of this is when we make art, right? When I make art, my art often is going to reflect me, but oftentimes my art is going to know more about me than I already do. Mm-hmm. And because of that, there is this like a discovery point, right? Where like you're making art, you're reflecting on the process and the artwork. And then, then there's this realization, oh my gosh, I didn't know about this. Or I'm learning about myself here. And that translates into growth or change in life or how you relate to this current life, you know? Mm-hmm. and all of what I just said about me and my art, I see that in clients when they make art. So that means I get to bring and then facilitate that process with them. And I actually has this privilege of witnessing them cultivating understanding and realization about themselves and their life for growth. So truthfully, what's not mm. to like? I love my job. 
Maybe on the opposite end of the scale, what challenges do you experience as a creative therapist? As a creative therapist, and maybe as a therapist too, mm. I think um, sometimes there is this like a feeling of you can only do so much. Mm -hmm. right day to day we are seeing people's sufferings and there is no denial about that and so then mm -hmm. you know sometimes there are a lot of things um that we witness that we know that we can't really do much about so that is a hard part you know truthfully um mm. and the other part is um other part is actually related to what I'm just saying, actually. Um, because some of the things that we can't change is systemic and societal. Mm. So it requires patience um to make changes that we want to see. And I think sometimes having that patience is challenging. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And how is it that you take care of yourself? How do you practice self-care? Yeah. I'm going to give you a boring answer. I make <laughs> art. <laughs> <laughs> That's not boring at all. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, I usually um, start my day uh, with art making at least Monday through Friday. Um, usually the first hour that I uh, wake up is a studio time. Mm. And I actually have it on my calendar as studio time. Um, sometimes I go for two hours, depending on the schedule. Um, this is a practice that I have established um, five, six years ago now, because I needed to do it in order for me to be able to show up in front of my clients fully. Um, mm. It kind of you know goes back to what I said um, a couple minutes ago on like we listen to people's sufferings every day, um, hour after hour sometimes, and these are you know during the day when we are in the therapy room, then we are holding space for people, but there has to be some space to be held for me as well. And the first hour of the studio time each morning is that time for me that the art and um, mm. the art process and what I make and that space to make art sometimes it's a visual journaling that holds space for me and my stuff mm. yeah that's fantastic I, I admire that <laughs> I'm well, making you know, to close at the end of the oh. day I'll delay ah yes End of the day? I know. We'll play with the delay. At the end of the day, <laughs> it's like playing a musical instrument. If you are learning piano from a piano teacher, you would hope that the piano teacher is practicing the piano every day. Yeah. So same thing. Yeah. Yeah. I feel that's the same with any kind of movement practice, like yoga, martial arts. Um even cooking, you hope the chef is tasting the food. 
Um, Mickey, what advice could you offer for up-and-coming creative therapists? I know you work with students in the art therapy field. What advice would you like to share? Mm. There's two things coming to my mind. Um, one is to anchor yourself as art practice, truthfully, and I really believe in this. And I also say this as um, a witness of, you know, students and other people who come into the program, becoming wanting to become an art therapist, and then with the midst of you know getting a job or different things, they lose their art and art practice, mm. and then eventually they become a therapist, but not a creative art therapist. Mm. So. From the beginning, um, it is important for us to hang on to that artist identity and our practice. So that's one part. And then the second thing is when we go through graduate program or formal trainings, once again, in especially, I don't know any, anywhere else, but in the United States, they're still um, predominantly, you know, like it's a framework of uh, Eurocentric perspective. So then it may be something that's historically present and taught, but it may not fit to what we are, who we are today, and who you are, you know, as a person. So then I encourage my students and everyone else to, once again, question what's in the textbook, question what you're reading, especially which perspective this is coming from, and mm. giving yourself choice of not picking up to absorb it and then say it's okay for you to select what you think is going to resonate with you. Mm. Yeah. I appreciate that, especially because a lot of the literature to start with does come from a specific culture. So, mm. yeah, and then uh, there's nothing like you becoming a therapist, and there's this like a compartmentalized part, right? You are this person outside of a therapy room, and then when you're a therapist, you have this like a mask on. No, I don't think your mm. clients are looking for that. Your clients are looking for authentic human beings. Mm. Definitely, definitely. Yeah, and I think your self-inquiry practices and and um, your interests would really shine through there. So I imagine practicing with you would be quite quite a journey. <laughs> Mickey, that's all my questions for today. Is there anything else that you'd like to add? to the conversation not today great question today. <laughs> i enjoy talking with you kirsty thanks for inviting <laughs> oh thank you for saying yes thank you it's um it's fascinating what you're doing and the combination of social work and art therapy is something i've not heard of so I'm, I'm really really glad to know more about that and to hear about the work that you're doing in the u.s and to hear about your own personal practice. It's all, it's a beautiful story. So thank you for sharing.
Thanks for having me. <laughs> okay, I'll close there. So have a wonderful evening. And until next time. Thank you. Oh, yeah. Thank you so